Welcome to Lily, the voice of Alice von Hildebrand. I'm John Henry Crosby, founder and president of the Hildebrand Project. Alice von Hildebrand, known as Lily to her friends, inspired audiences with her wit and wisdom in over 300 appearances on TV and radio. This podcast is a treasury of those archival recordings. This is the fifth episode in the series on Dietrich von Hildebrand's book, The Art of Living. In this conversation, Lily begins a two-part exploration into the nature of communion, which was one of the essays she contributed to the book. Now, here's Lily. You know, there's no doubt about the fact that one of the deep longing that exists in the human soul is a desire to be in close communion with other people. You know, having taught for so many years in a secular university and listened to the confessions of very many of my students, I found out that very many of them had led a pretty bad life because they longed for communion. They were longing for love, they were longing for closeness with other people, and they didn't know to go, how to go about it. And the result was that in many cases they ruined their own lives and possibly the lives of other people. Now, the famous French thinker and writer Léon Blois, who died, if my memory is correct, in 1916. That's B-L-O-Y. B-L-O-Y. He wrote at the end of his life, there's only one real sadness, not to be saints. Ultimately, this is a thing which is so ultimately sad because it is a key to everything else. And the French philosopher Gabriel Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L, who died some 20 years ago, 19 years ago to be exact, wrote, there's only one sadness, to be alone. Now we live in a world when we have millions and millions and millions of people sometimes living very close to one another and they feel incredibly alone. Now this is what I would like to analyze briefly and try to show that actually there is a solution to the tragic problem of solitude. Now in order to explain this, let me refer very briefly to man's paradoxical nature because man is a paradoxical being. You know, from one point of view, it is quite clear that metaphysically speaking, he's a unique, irreplaceable individual. He's a person, and each person is different, and each person can never melt into another person. Each one of them is so individualized, and this is, of course, the metaphysical condemnation of pantheism, when finally you see everybody else as being just part of an immense whole, and then you sort of vanish into this whole. I mean, that is a tragic philosophy that you find in Hinduism and Buddhism. Now, we are Christians, and we share this faith with the Muslim and, uh, and the Jews. God is a creator, and each an individual is absolutely unique and therefore cannot even be considered ever to melt into another person. Now, what is a paradox? That precisely this uniqueness gives to man the possibility of entering into in communion with other human beings. And the paradox is that precisely because we are different, because we are separate, because we cannot become a part of another person, there is a call of a close, loving relationship that I'm going to call 
communion. Now, I say this is a very strange paradox, because obviously you would expect that because man is so unique, well, he remains unique and isolated. Now, in fact, this isolation is something which is terribly widespread in the world in which we live. I recall years ago, someone wrote a book called The Solitary Crowd. I've forgotten mm. who wrote it, but That's I mean, a it, way to call it. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> you know, it was a marvelous way of indicating that the world in which we live, we live so close together. Yes. You know, there's know always a gathering and always people laughing together and having fun together, <laughs> and they're incredibly isolated yeah. and incredibly sad. I recall one of the tragic experiences of my life, one when I had to attend a cocktail party in Hunter, and these people were separated from me by an abyss a religious abyss, a metaphysical abyss, a human abyss, and we're all together chatting, and somehow I felt so isolated mm -hmm. that I had a longing to be alone in a desert. Now, let us try to see or examine very briefly how can this deep, tragic solitude be overcome? How can human beings reach communion, for which we are made? Because, I mean, already St. Augustine said, we are made for God and our hearts are restless until they rest in God. In other words, communion with God is the ultimate purpose of human life, the most noble and the greatest that you can imagine. But obviously, as long as we live on this earth, we also have a longing to be in communion with other human beings. You know, obviously, if God is love, this love should penetrate into us and embrace other human beings. Now, of course, you can mean very different things by solitude. You can simply mean that through circumstances, you are totally isolated from other people. When I was a, a small little girl, someone gave me a Robinson Crusoe to read. And then you find this man finding himself on a desert island mm. and how happy he is when he discovered that there is Friday. Mm. You know, someone mm. that he can talk with because mm. to be totally isolated is very much against man's nature who is made for communion. Mm. I was thinking of the angelic nature, too, because the angels obviously are made for communion with God and with one another, but you remember Dante, how he has the devil right in the center of hell and mm -hmm. cased in a block of ice, eternally isolated. Isolated. The tranquility is quite true. Now, you can go further than that and realize when you turn on the other side of the scale, God is a trinity. You know, That's I recall right. that about 20 years ago, I was giving a course on medieval philosophy and one of my students said, you know, I just hate the thought of this God transcendent and all by himself. How boring he must be. He must be so hopelessly lonesome. And a Jewish colleague of mine who wrote a book uh, said God had to create because he was so hopelessly lonesome. Now, in this very moment, God gave me the grace of understanding. No, God is a trinity. You know, there's a fullness of, of life in God. I mean, that was the only time in my life that I had a modest intuition into the Trinity. God has to be a Trinity because God is love. And therefore, there must be communion, there must be interchange. Now, there's another sense of communion which is very different. You take the fathers of the desert. They the were totally, oh, excuse me, I said another form of solitude, excuse me. And the fathers of the desert. Now, this is a totally different situation. They chose to isolate themselves, to pray for God, and to sacrifice for the world. Now, there I must make a remark which is going to be very enlightening. My husband had a student years ago, a Jewish boy, 
who converted and became a Carthusian. And he had taken many of my husband's courses. In one of his courses, my husband had said, when people are full of love for God, even when they live in total isolation because of a particular vocation, they're in close communion with the rest of the world. Somehow there's a bond, a spiritual bond, which is very much alive. But the church now will, forbids hermits to be isolated for too long. They must be in community from time to time. Uh, yes, it is true indeed. But I mean, nevertheless, if you take the lives of the Carthusians, they're 19 hours every day, totally alone. Yes. And they meet in church, and then on Sunday they have a brief meeting. But I mean, basically, mm -hmm. it is a life of solitude. Now, this man became a Carthusian and founded the first Carthusian monastery in the United States. You know, which is not terribly surprising because, as you know, American people are not very contemplative by nature. They are doers. Right. And this monastery is in Vermont. And one day I wrote a letter to my husband, always thanking him for the role that he had played in his conversion. And he said, you know, you know, I've been cut off from the world now for 15 or 18 years. You were so right when you said in one of your courses that when you love God, you're in close communion with all his creatures. And I've never felt so close to you and to all my friends, even though I might never see you again on so this So when you earth. have a spiritual life, you're really never lonely. Well, I mean, therefore, you see in this very moment, solitude is totally overcome, even though you're alone. Yes, that's Now, today in the world in which we live, most young people are hopelessly lonesome. And I mean, I know this because I've heard so many of them said, you know, I had a relationship because I was so lonesome. Mm -hmm. And for a few moments at least, I felt that there was some sort of bond. But this, of course, this is totally illusory because you can never reach communion with another person if you sin. That was a word I heard from my husband when I was still very, very <coughs> young. And he once said in one of his classes, do you realize that the greatest separation that exists between human beings is to sin together? Now, suppose that you take sin of the flesh. The illusion that you have is closeness, because this is precisely what sin of the flesh consists of. You embrace another person, you're very close to him. But if it is a sin, and it is God's law, in this very moment you create a chasm between the two. And this is where the world in which we live you see that these relationships between young people never lasts. It's an affair of one night, it's an affair of a few weeks, it is an affair of a few months, and then they turn to someone else. Yes. I mean, in other words, even though they seem to be so close together, they're hopelessly isolated. Thank you for listening to Lily, the voice of Alice von Hildebrand. We hope you enjoyed this episode. New episodes of Lily are released every week. Please share our podcast with your friends and family and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to support the production of this podcast, we invite you to become a monthly donor or to give a one-time gift. To donate, please visit hildebrandproject.org forward slash giving. For more information and updates, follow the Hildebrand Project on social media and sign up for our newsletter in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and helping support the legacy of Alice von Hildebrand. <laughs>